right. Psalms chapter 12. Uh, let's begin to read in verse 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said, With our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is the Lord over us? Well, that's a big question, ain't it? That's a big question for somebody to say. Who, who is the Lord? Who's, who's going to prevail? We'll say what we want to say. And who is the Lord over us? Who's going to make any difference? That is uh, conceited and arrogant to make those statements. Verse 5. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. You can be seated this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you again today. We thank you uh, for all you've done. And Lord, we thank you for the service that we've had so far. I pray you have been honored in it. Uh, Lord, that the singing has brought glory to you. And uh, Lord, even the Sunday school hour. But Lord, it's preaching time. And Lord, uh, we pray that you would come by and help us today. I pray that you would guard our mind and our thought and uh, just help us while we preach. Uh, how much we earnestly stand in need of you today. I pray that you would open folks' hearts to the receiving of the word. Lord, that if there's somebody here lost, that you would save them and bring them to that place of repentance. But if there's somebody that needs some help, I pray that they would look to you and trust you. And Lord, just uh, follow you today. Lord, I ask that you would touch and anoint us afresh. Give us good liberty to preach and hinder Satan from this meeting. Lord, that we'd not only leave out of here different, but better than what we come in. And we'll give the glory for it all today. Save that sentence near his tail. And again, touch us for all this in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. As I look on just the two pages that are in front of me, I look in chapter 9 and David starts out, I will praise thee. In chapter 10, the psalmist starts out, Why standest thou afar off? Uh, in chapter 11, he starts with, In the Lord put I my trust. Uh, in verse 12, he, chapter 12, he said, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. And in chapter 13, he said, How long wilt thou forget me? And when I look at David's life and I look at the Psalms that's been written just on these two pages in my Bible, I, uh, it was good in one and not so good uh, in another. He was praising the Lord in one and needing help in another. He was trusting God in one, uh, but he was cast down uh, in another. 
And I, when I looked at that as I was studying chapter 12 and I looked at all these other chapters of how he just opened them up, I thought to myself, my soul, how much that is like life. Uh, one day we have great faith and we trust God. And the next day, it's not that we don't have great faith. It just uh, seems like our faith might be a little weakened uh, than it was yesterday. Am I the only one that does that? Surely uh, not. I hope not. Uh, but I find here that David is that way. He wondered why the Lord stood afar off on one day, but yet he was so close in the next. In chapter 11, in the Lord uh, put I my trust. But here in this chapter, in chapter 12, uh, uh, David has come to the place where he realizes uh, uh, that he needs some help. Uh, he realizes that uh, he's in that place. And uh, what it is, is there was nobody else to help him. He said, for the godly man seeth us, uh, for the faithful fell from among the children of men. Don't you feel that way sometimes? Don't you feel that way that, that when you look around, there's not near as many people serving God uh, as there used to be? Uh, there's not near as many people that go to church as they used to be. Uh, there's not near as many people that we can look to uh, and find help in this life. But here David is, uh, and he says, help, Lord. Help. He was in a time when there was no other help from anybody else. He said in, in verse 2, they speak vanity everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. They speak of themselves and you can't believe what they say or trust what they have to say. Sounds a lot like today, don't it? I mean, people are going to flatter themselves or they'll flatter you to make you think that they believe that you're something or somebody, but they are being deceitful in their speech. He said, but the Lord will cut off the flattering lips and the tongue which speaketh proud things. You know, the Lord does not like that. And he will take care of the poor. And then we've seen about the Lord's words, how they're pure words, uh, and how he has preserved his words. But I want to come back and look at that very first word that David said, help. Uh, I've preached on, on the subject of help many times over the years. Uh, help means to aid uh, or to assist. It means to lend strength uh, uh, or a means to effect an, a purpose. Uh, help is simply this, uh, uh, is a remedy to something uh, or a cure to something when we cannot do it Amen. ourselves. Amen. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you, in this life, uh, uh, there's some times that we can't do some things. There's just some times, uh, uh, as, uh, as I spoke to, uh, I sent out that uh, text on Friday, I believe it was, uh, 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 about the preacher that was having the quadruple bypass. Might have been on Thursday that he was having it on Friday. And uh, listen, he just needed some help from the Lord. Uh, and I heard from his wife this morning, uh, uh, and, and she said it's uh, just a miracle. Uh, she said the last time I saw him, uh, he had 20 IVs coming out of him, uh, strapped down to an operating table. Uh, uh, and she said, but this morning he's sitting up in the bed eating breakfast. Amen. And she said it's nothing short of a miracle. But you know, that can only come from the Lord. 
You say, well, that stuff's routine. Uh, yeah, it's routine today, uh, but that don't always mean that everything uh, is going to go right. That does not mean everything's going to go good. Uh, uh, and let me say this, I believe the Lord really did uh, uh, help. But I want me and you to understand this morning, uh, uh, there are places and times in life uh, uh, when we need help. I'm glad. Now, now let me say this, I want to preface this message saying this, life is not always hard. Uh, we, we preach it that way. Uh, we come in to preach, and, uh, and I'm afraid sometimes as preachers, we'll beat you down, uh, making you think life is just so hard. But let me say this, life does get hard. Life gets tough. Life gets us in places, friend, uh, uh, that we need some help as a Christian. Uh, uh, and we know that our help comes from heaven. Uh, Psalms 121, the psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, uh, which made heaven uh, and earth. So we know where our help comes from. Amen. And I simply want to look at three examples in the Bible that I've probably preached on many and several times. Very simple examples but yet, it was different in all of them, but yet, they got help. Take your Bible and go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you know anything about 1 Samuel chapter 1, you know that we're dealing with Hannah. That's Samuel's mother. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, most of us know the story. Let me read real quick. I'm going to do a lot of reading, but I'm going to do it fast. Now, there was a certain man of Ramoth, Ramoth M. Zophon of Mount Ephraim. I thought I was going to read fast, and of, and and of his and of and his name, my soul, and his name was Elkanah, and uh, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephraim. Praise the Lord, we got through that. And he had two wives. The name of his one was Hannah, and the name of the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice, and the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave... Uh, gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah. Now pay attention in verse 5, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And that's a problem. And that was a problem she could not fix. I mean, did you notice what he said right here? This is something the Lord had done. The Lord had shut up her womb. And so she could not have children. And in verse 6, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. I've told you many, many times what that word fret means. It means to wire away at. And that's what fretting does. It just wires away. It just worries us away. And it just wires on us. And, and so I'm getting in my mind that, that as they're going to worship, and boy, when does the devil wire you out the most? If you ain't careful here, wire you out the most come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night when you're going to worship. And so they're going to worship uh, and her adversary in verse 6, uh, which by the way you find out is Peninnah, that's his other wife, is provoking her. It said that, that, and as he did year by year, 
when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat, and then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? And not I better to thee than ten sons. He already knew the answer to every question he asked, but yet he was dumb enough to ask them. And then he asked them, and I'm not better than ten sons. No, not today. Maybe he was good to her. Maybe he took care of her. And I believe he did. But that's not what her heart desired at that point. He said, am I not better to thee than ten sons? No, not today. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. And now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. Ever been there? And prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt uh, indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, remember me and forget not thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart. I've got that underlined in my Bible. You need to remember that. That's going to come to play here in just a minute. Verse 13. She spake in her heart, only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she'd been drunken. Now, and Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Uh, put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a softful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. And then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah's wife, and the Lord remembered her. Now, I want, I want to deal with verse 19 real quick and, and, and deal uh, with up here where it said that in her heart, in verse 13, she spake in her heart, but in verse 19, God remembered her. What are you saying? I'm going to tell you something you already know. You ain't got to pray out loud. You just pray from your heart. God hears out of the heart, you see. Uh, uh, and I'm glad we can pray out loud. And I'm glad that uh, He hears when we do pray out loud. But when we just pray from the heart, hey, listen, that's how I got saved that night. I, I didn't really pray out loud, uh, but, but I remember praying in my heart for the Lord to save me. Amen. Uh, and I'm glad He hears from the heart. Uh, uh, it's just not some magical thing uh, uh, or, or something that uh, makes us feel better, but it changes us. Thank God for that. But I want you to look at her situation that she's in. She is in something that she is, cannot fix or that is beyond her. And I believe that she was brought low. I'm not talking about lowliness. I'm talking she's in lowness. Uh, and she's in sorrowfulness. You know, in Psalms 116, the psalmist said, The Lord preserved the simple. I was brought low and He helped me. I'm glad that sometimes in our lowness He'll help us. But notice here that she is in bitterness of soul. Uh, she's in affliction in verse 11. Uh, uh, she is of a sorrowful spirit. Uh, and out of the abundance and complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto, she said. Uh, uh, she, she was in such a bad shape. Uh, I have a friend she could not help herself. 
She cannot fix her soul. She cannot fix her mind. She cannot fix the situation that was in front of her. And it continually got worse. Have you ever been there? And now her husband does not understand. Panina is provoking her. Her husband does not understand. And nobody around her seems to want to help her. Is that what you read? It's what I read. But Hannah done exactly what me and you are supposed to do. She took it to the Lord, didn't she? Hebrews chapter 4 said, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may what? Obtain mercy and find grace to what? Help in a time of need. Hannah's in such place that she can't fix what's going on. She can't resolve what's going on. Uh, uh, she, she can't work nothing out to fix this. There's going to come times in life you can't work nothing out. You can't work it. It don't matter. You can't work it out. Uh, you, you, no matter what you do, you can't wish it to work. Uh, uh, but friend, all you're going to be able to do is take it before God uh, and say, here it is, Lord. Uh, you're going to have to handle it. Amen. And I believe that's what she did. She, you know, sometimes you just got to come to the place where you've had enough. I think she'd had enough. I think Hannah took all she's going to take. And she just had enough. Would to God that we'd take it to Him before we had enough. Would to God that we would depend on Him before we had enough. And that it frets and wires us away and that it worries us uh, uh, to death that we would just take it to the Lord uh, uh, and say, Lord, here it is. It's beyond me. Uh, uh, it's in your hands and you handle it. But I want to show you something that most of you all know because you've heard me preach out of this scripture before many times. But I want you to look in verse 18. She gives it to the Lord. But let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. She wasn't holding on to a baby. She didn't have a baby. But she was no more sad. Why is that? Why is it that she was no more sad? Because she let God deal with it. She let God handle that thing. When we'll let the Lord handle that thing and let Him help us, uh, listen, that can change our countenance. Uh, uh, and not only change our countenance, but that can change us on the inside uh, that we can rejoice in Him. Amen. Even though the problem is still there. Sometimes you just got to handle the problem. Do you know that? Sometimes you got to handle the problem. But sometimes you cannot handle the problem. The problem's bigger than you. And so you give it to the Lord. You know what? Hannah couldn't handle that problem. And so she gave it to the Lord. And you know what he did? He handled it, didn't he? He saw her for what she was and for the situation that she was in. And he remembered her. And then let me say this real quick before we go on. I, I, if you go home to chapter 2, I, uh, Hannah done exactly what me and you need to do. If you read chapter 2, that, that first whole part right there, I, I believe it was in the first 10 verses, you know what she did? She prayed and she praised the Lord. God heard and answered her prayer and so she praised the Lord. That's what me and you ought to do. But when God moves, we ought to praise the Lord.
So we see Hannah. He helped Hannah. Take your Bible and go to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. And if you know anything about your Bible, you know that 1 Samuel 17 deals with David facing Goliath. You say, well, where was the help in that? Where did he have to seek God? Stay with me. Listen, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we, we know the story. Most of us do. He, uh, Jesse sent David down there uh, to, to check on his brothers to see how everything was going. He sent him with some food. Uh, and he wanted them to check on his brothers. He said, uh, uh, he said you, you take their pledge, find out how they're doing. When he got down there, he said, what Goliath was doing. Goliath would come out every morning and every evening and just curse the God of Israel uh, and say, send me a man down here that we may fight. And boy, he'd just carry on. And, and they were all afraid of Goliath. And they all ran and hid and would not go fight Goliath. And so he comes in, David does, and he hears the story of what's happening and what's going on. Uh, they tell him that if, if, if somebody goes down and, and kills Goliath, and uh, his father's house will be free in Israel. Uh, he'll get the king's daughter uh, and I mean all these other things. And in verse 28, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the knownness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another. The very first thing David had to deal with was his brother, his oldest brother, who accused him of, and he belittled, and I preached on that too, but he belittled David in the situation that he's in because he said, who would you leave them few sheep with in the wilderness? You know, you're just a shepherd. What are you doing down here? You're just my little brother. What are you doing down here? I'm up here, by the way. And David said in verse 29, What have I now done? What have I done? Why are you talking to me like this? Do you know Eliab's problem? You remember when Samuel came over there to Jesse's house? Who did they, who did they anoint? Who did they anoint as the king? It sure wasn't Eliab. And I mean, I mean, Jesse brought all his sons out there and he brought his eldest out first. And Samuel looked at him. Samuel said, God be him. And the Lord said, ain't him. And he went through all them boys. And the Lord said, ain't none of them. I think Eliab was jealous of his brother. And here he comes down and, uh, and he said, what's going on and what's going to be done? And, uh, and he said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? See, David saw the cause when his brother did. And he turned from him toward another. He just left him standing there. You know the best thing you can do sometimes? Just leave somebody standing there. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Don't stand there and argue with them. Don't stand there and feed into them. Just turn toward another and keep on moving. And that's what he did. He was done talking to him. Sometimes you've got to get done talking to people. You ain't got to be ugly. You ain't got to be none of those things. Just sometimes you just got to be done. 
And I think David was done. And he just, but why was he done? Because he seen the seriousness of the situation that was at hand. And he spake after the, of the same manner, verse 30, and the people answered him again after the former manner. They tell him the same story, what's going to happen. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And, the uncirc- and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath the defied the armies of the living God. So David says, I'll go fight. How can you go fight, David? How can you be so sure that, that you can fight? Well, I fought a bear in the line, and, and this uncircumcised Philistine ain't going to be no different. But how could David make that statement? I'm talking about help. How could David make that statement? Because of verse 37. And David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. So he knew where his help resided at. Now right here, David, in the rest of this story, David does not have to go pray. David does not seek God that we know of. We, we don't see that. But he knew where his help rested at. There are times, friend, uh, uh, that, that we know. We know where our help rests at. Uh, and I believe David was eager to fight and sure to fight. Uh, and he was depending uh, on the Lord. There's sometimes we don't have to go weak and cry and fall over the altar and just carry on. There's times we want to. And maybe we should someday. But there's just sometimes we need to stand up, get ready to fight, and know where our help comes from. Amen. And so here, so here they try to put armor on David, and he said, I've not proved it. So he goes and gets something that he has proved. He gets him five smooth stones, puts them in his shepherd's bag. He's got a staff and a sling. He knows all this works. He knows it works. That's why I like that's why I like singing out that red book, that blue book, that black book, and that's why I like old time preaching. Why? I know it works. Amen. I, I, I don't want to try nothing else. Why? I know it works. I, I know it works. You, you might be able to get somebody saved. I, I, some other, I don't think you can get them saved some other way. You might be able to sing another song. I don't know. But I know this stuff works, man. I like old time religion. Yeah. Take it for what it's worth. I like it. So David, he, he goes out to fight. He gets what he needs and he gets ready to go. Verse uh, 42. And when the Philistine looked about and he saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fire countenance. And the Philistine uh, said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. 
And then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord. Now do you understand where his help come from? He gave, as he was going to fight, he was crediting the Lord. He said, The Lord will deliver, me into thine, uh, deliver uh, thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give thy carcass to the host of the Philistines this day uh, uh, under the fowls of the air uh, and to the wild beasts of the earth, uh, that all the earth may know that there is God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you uh, uh, into our hands. He said, he said, you're fixing to learn. Israel's fixing to learn that there's a God in heaven. Yes. David already had help. You know, sometimes what men you need is we need some courage, don't we? We need some courage to go fight. Uh, and, and that the battle. We need some courage in that to be able to stand up uh, uh, and go fight. Because you know what we do sometimes? We turn into King Saul, don't we? Especially the older we get, we become cynical. We become cynical. Yeah, I had to make sure that that word, what I knew what that word meant. Uh, you know, we, we question the sincerity of others. We become cynical towards some situations. One day, you know, they just want to do it for this or they want to do it for that or they can't do it. You know, the problem is, 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 is we, we got too old sometimes and just want to sit on the pew of do nothing. Hello, ain't that good? Amen. Huh? And then we don't think they can do it. Hey, when did you run out of faith? We teach these youngins around here to have faith. We teach them to trust the Lord. We teach them to fight. Uh, we teach them to go forward and serve Him. But then when they want to, we wonder what they're doing. I'm just saying. We discount that they can serve God. We lose faith. And we'll say, you can't do that. They're trusting the Lord. Let them go on and do it. Don't try to stop them. Don't try to shame them. Shame on us. I watch people try to serve God and somebody will down them because they're trying to serve God. Trying to serve God. Man, if they're trying to serve God, let them serve God, man. Leave them alone and let them serve God. It's kind of like, it's kind of like over there. Uh, you know, his disciples was with the Lord. And, uh, you know, they, they come to him and said, uh, you know, there's this fellow over here. He's, he's casting out devils in your name. What, what are we going to do, Lord? He said, let him alone. Yes. He said, if he's not against us, he's for us. Right. He said, let him alone. Let him go do it. Sometimes we just need to let people alone. Let them serve God. Amen. I ain't talking about if they're wrong. I'm talking about just let them serve God. And go on. But notice what David did. He went out there and he faced Goliath. Nobody else would go face Goliath. As a matter of fact, if you look back in the story, they all run and hid from Goliath. So in verse 48, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the enemy, or toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Now, only the Lord knew that. The only place the Philistine didn't have any armor was right here. Right here. Got him in the forehead. Reckon how that happened. It's a pretty good shot, wasn't he? 
I believe the Lord had a little bit to do with it. Probably had a whole lot to do with it. But most of y'all know this here too. Notice the Bible said that the stone sunk into his forehead. Seems like to me that he would have fell backwards. But the Bible said he fell upon his face to the earth. He's going to fall forward because of the God of Israel. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. David's help come in the fact that God helped him fight the battle. Amen. Hannah's help come in the very fact that she could not do anything, but yet God moved because he heard her. David was jealous for the Lord and went out and fought for him and God helped. But now take your Bible and go to the book of 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians 12. Again, very, very familiar and very simple scripture. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the Apostle Paul. And there's many other examples in the Bible. I just had to leave some of them out because of time constraint. There was a time when Hezekiah, when King Shennacherib come up against Judah and King Hezekiah and all them over there, Judah, and he was going to fight and even sent him a letter and told him what all he was going to do. And you know what, you know what King, Shennacherib, or what King Hezekiah did? He took that thing over to the house of God and laid it out before the Lord. That's a good thing for you to do sometime. It's just lay it out before God. Say, so here it is. What are we going to do about this thing? That's what him and Isaiah did. Go read that sometime. But look in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that have given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Unless I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now, I want you to see something that all three of, of these examples have in common. There was an adversary. Hannah had an adversary that provoked her. David had an adversary, that uncircumcised Philistine by Goliath, that he had to go fight. And right here, the Apostle Paul had an adversary, the messenger of Satan, to come and buffet him. But notice right here, this is a little different. He, he seeks God, he prays three times. Reckon, reckon the first two times God didn't even answer him? Or reckon he got the same answer all three times? I don't know. I'm just asking you a question. Because I know this, we, we get answers from the Lord sometimes and it's not what we want to hear, so we'll ask again. I mean, surely, do you do that? I do that. Lord, I don't know about this. Even sometimes, even when I get the answer I want, Brother Marvin, I'll still ask the Lord now, Lord, <laughs> I don't want to do nothing wrong right here. You know, more than once did the Apostle Paul ask for help. He, he talked about in 2 Corinthians 7, 
how that when he was coming to Macedonia, how that without were fightings, within were fears, but God sent him some help because Titus arrived. Acts chapter 27, he was in the midst of a boat, a ship, in the middle of a storm, and what did God do? God sent him an angel, didn't he? He said, Paul, he said, everybody's, you're going to keep everybody sailing with you. We're gonna lose, you're going to lose the boat, but everybody's going to be saved. Let me say this about that and then I'll move on. Sometimes you're going to lose the boat, but you're going to come out on the other side. Amen. But that ain't the message for the hour. Notice what he said right here. I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. The problem did not go away. He wanted it to go away. He wanted help so that it would go away. But it did not go away. But you know what God done? He helped him get through it. He said, my grace is sufficient. It's like in 2 Corinthians, or in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. What, what did he say in 1 Corinthians 10? He said, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to what? Bear it. Didn't say you make it go away. He'll say you'll be able to bear it. Sometimes that's the help we need. That's, that's not as exciting though, preacher, as getting on the altar and praying and, and, God, and God answering and boy, all this big stuff happens. I like it. I like it to get on the altar and pray and then watch God move. But sometimes that's not what God has in plan at all. Sometimes it's, it's in our weakness that He is made strong. And that's what He's trying to get out of our life. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Boy, I'm so thankful for that today, that God's grace is sufficient. Yeah. When we need help, He'll come by yeah. and undergird us and lift us up. The problem was the messenger of Satan come by to buffet on him. What was it? Luke chapter 22, Simon, Simon. Satan desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Boy, he wants to destroy us any way that he can. And here, I, I believe Paul, he was just getting beat on. And a lot of people has got an idea of what this was. I can tell you what it was. The message of Satan was beating on him. <laughs> That's what the word buffet means. It means to beat on. I mean, does, do you ever get beat on? In spiritual things, do you ever get beat on? But notice he said, my grace is sufficient. God's unmerited favor to us, the same grace that saved us, is the same grace that is sufficient and will sustain us. Amen. And it will give us strength. Because he said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Well, it's when we got to cry out to him and say, Lord, I can't handle this. I can't, I can't, I can't take this. I can't, I can't get through this. And then you know what he does? He strengthens us to get through it. And Paul said, I, I'm most glad of therefore rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I'd rather be weak. I'd rather be weak. And know that I've got the power of Christ on my life and that I can serve Him and that He can work in me as for Him to make that go away. That's, that, that, that's a hard thing to say. 
that, that's, that's a hard thing to get a hold of. Ain't it? I, I mean to say that, that, that we would rather, we, we, we know, I mean Paul said, I'd rather live by God's grace and still have to suffer through this as to have Him take away that message of Satan that's buffeting me. That's, that's a pretty big statement. Sometimes I'm not willing, not sometimes, all the time, I'm, I don't know how willing I am to make that statement. And I know that it's true. I know this scripture is true. I've experienced God's grace. Yes. I've experienced it. It is very sufficient. But Paul said, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecution, and distresses for Christ's sake. He said, I take pleasure in that. Why? Because when I'm weak, then am I strong. Boy, that's a hard thing to get a hold of, ain't it? But yet, what a wonderful scripture to know that even in the midst of our lowest times and, and when we are facing the adversary, he may not make the adversary go away. He may not whip the adversary. We may not get to cut the head off the adversary. But God's grace is sufficient to get us through with the adversary. Sometimes we just need some help. David said, help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Sometimes don't you just want to say help? I need some help. It's by our heads this morning.